Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I want to begin with Happy New Year. Amen. <laughs> uh, this time I'd like to re- release the Warrior Youth and the Children's Ministry to go back. Praise team, thank you so much. And uh, so glad to have all of you here this morning. And I hope your, your new year is starting off well. Let's recite our mission statement, which is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that goal is that we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Christ. And so as we take the love of Christ and, uh, and it infuses us, then we're to go out and make disciples across the world with the love of Christ. So we're in this series, Seeking, Seeking God. And uh, last week I talked about some daily disciplines. We all have daily disciplines. We get up and brush our teeth. We take a shower. We put on clothes. We're, I'm thankful that we're all putting on clothes. And uh, we go about our, our daily uh, things, routines in our life. But last week I talked about what about the spiritual aspect of our life? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we seeking God Are we spending time with him, not from a ritualistic, legalistic uh, approach, but from a relational approach? Because as we spend time with him, he does something in our life. He prepares us for the day so we can fast, we can pray, we can worship, we can spend time with him. That's the goal, not that we do these tasks, but we engage with him. And this morning I want to talk about faith. And I I want you to consider some things. What has the Lord been speaking to you? At the beginning of the year is always a great time to say, Lord, what do you have for me this year? And I was talking with a young lady at at, uh, HEB the other day, and she was telling me that she had just graduated from high school and she's going to college. And I said, well, you need to probably sit down and write out some goals. What do you want to accomplish this year? How much money do you want to save? What classes do you want to take when you start college? What, What are the things that you want to do and accomplish? But also don't neglect the spiritual things that you need as well. So it's good for us to sit down and map out some goals that are things that we want to accomplish throughout the year. Maybe you want to read through the Bible. Uh, maybe you want to read one chapter a day. You can read, uh, there are 31 Proverbs, so you can read one proverb a day. That's easy. You can read through the book of Proverbs in a year. You can read uh, the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms. So you can read through the book of Psalms, uh, uh, you know, every, every three months. Whatever that looks like. But, but what I want to encourage all of us is, to do is to make some goals and plans for our lives that we can intentionally and deliberately be seeking God, maybe more than we have, or maybe what we normally do. But the goal is that we seek Him. And so for 2020, I believe the Lord is desiring us, desiring to give us greater vision and a greater expansion, which will require greater faith. I believe God is doing something in the earth. I believe that God is doing something in our lives, and it's going to require a greater vision, his vision and his expansion, but it's also going to require greater faith. So we have challenges or we have changes, and those things often require us to have greater faith because we're getting out of our comfort zone. And our faith begins, our faith journey begins with having faith in Jesus Faith is the foundation of our relationship with him. 
with Jesus. That is the foundation. And we talk about faith, but sometimes I wonder if we really grasp and understand and walk in faith because we can take little steps of faith, but there are times when God is asking us to step out and take larger steps of faith. And so I want to talk about that. Ephesians 2.8, you're familiar with this passage. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Salvation requires us to receive and believe. Um, he reveals himself to us. It takes faith to believe that my sins are forgiven. It takes faith to believe that he really loves me. And I think that's a big thing for many people because they can, they can believe that God loves somebody else. But do we really believe that God loves me? Do we really believe that he forgives us of all of our sins? Do we have faith to believe his word and his promises that we read in his word? And his, his maybe personal promises to us that he's spoken to us. Do we have faith to believe those things? Do we have faith to believe in heaven? Do we really believe that there's a heaven? Do we have faith to believe that we are going to be living for all of eternity, all eternity with him? And I've talked to people and they're like, well, I don't know. You know, I really can't see him. I really can't, you know, I, I don't have a relationship with him. I want to ask them, have you ever seen electricity? Have you ever felt <laughs> electricity? <laughs> Even though you may not see it, it's there. And, you know, I, I know of very few people that have actually had an encounter and seen Jesus. But have you ever felt his presence? Did, do you feel his presence? And so we have the reality of that, that we know that he is there, even though we can't physically touch him or see him. And so seeking God requires faith. And it begins with this relationship where we have faith in Jesus. Um, I want to go to John chapter 20. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's died on the cross and risen. He's appeared to Mary. And the disciples are meeting behind closed doors. Let's look at John uh, chapter 20, 19 through 29. That Sunday afternoon, or that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So they had just witnessed Jesus being beaten and crucified and died. And so they're meeting behind closed doors. Have you ever been fearful? You have. I know you have. But fear is the opposite of faith. But sometimes we don't know what to expect. We don't know what God's doing necessarily. We don't know what the next step is. And so there can be fear. And so these disciples were, were experiencing real fear. They had real emotions. They had real concerns. Now what are we going to do? Jesus told us that he was leaving. But now we, we're faced with the reality of him being gone. And then, let's look at uh, 19 continues. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he says. So I can imagine they're sitting around the table, and they're saying, oh, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. Jesus said that he was going, but, you know, we don't really know what that means. And all of a sudden, poof, peace be with you. <laughs> I love that. 
I love that Jesus just shows up sometimes in the midst of our everyday life where we're just going through life and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. Don't worry about that job situation. Don't worry about, you know, I'm here with you. Verse 20, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And uh, they were glad to see him, but I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how we are as men they would probably be going, oh, dude, look at that. Look at that hole in his hand. Look at that hole in his side. And, you know, I don't know. Men are kind of different, I guess. Sometimes I was, uh, one day I was putting in a, a pane of glass into a window. And as I was cleaning the glass, I happened to run my knuckle down the edge of that window. And it just sliced my skin all the way back. And I could see my knuckle. And I, would, I went to my wife, and I'm like, hey, check this out. And she's like, oh, come on, please, please. But, you know, men are, men are kind of like that. You know, if you, if you walk up to a guy and say, hey, oh, man, this smells terrible. Smell this. Goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, man, that's bad. Get that out. Oh, yeah, that's really bad. I don't know why we're like that, but I can imagine that that was kind of what was going on with these guys. They're like, hey, Jesus, wow, check out this hole in his, in, in his hands and his wrists. Check out this hole in his side. Okay, I don't know why I talked about all that, but I, I could just imagine. Sometimes, do you ever try to put your place in a situation where we're reading about in the Bible and imagine what's going on, what's happening in their, their thought processes and what they're thinking? Verse 20 continues, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They were so happy to see him. They were joyful. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. The words that Jesus had to say, the words that Jesus spoke, had meaning. And he was not just talking to talk. Everything that he said had a purpose and a plan. And he said, the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> receive the Holy Spirit. And he had already told them, he said, he said look, I'm, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you into all truth. <sighs> Receive him. You're going to need him. So he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He's saying, you have power. Only God can forgive sins, but we have power. You know, when have you, I know we've all messed up, and you, I've come to my wife, and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for the way I acted. I'm sorry for the things that I said. And she has the power to forgive me. I have the power to forgive her. Only God has the power to forgive sins. But listen, we need to be full of grace toward one another because we all need it. And I, I like this next part. Um, where am I at here? Okay. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Do you think Jesus could have showed up when Thomas was there? I think he could have. But I think that this event was purposed for us. Let me read on here. They told him... Um, 
Okay. Uh, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. He has unbelief. He has unbelief. And there are a lot of people, I think maybe even sitting in churches today, that have unbelief because they haven't seen or they haven't experienced. They don't know the Lord experientially. They may know about him, but do we know him? Do we have a relationship with him? Have we experienced his presence? When we come into his presence, are we, are we uh, having this connection with him? Eight days later, verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Again, they're behind locked doors. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Peace be with you. So you may be behind some locked doors in your life right now, but Jesus is there. He can, he can show up in a prison cell. He can show up in your workplace. He can show up in your marriage. He can show up in your child's life. And so eight days later, Jesus was standing among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, there's no indication that there was a conversation with Jesus letting him know that, well, Thomas is doubtful. You know, he, he wants to see you, Jesus, so can, can you please show up so, Jesus, uh, so Thomas will believe. But he shows up, and then he says to Thomas, put your finger in here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Thank you, Lord. Yay. Who's that? That's us. Blessed are we that haven't seen him, but we believe. But we have, we have this helper, the Holy Spirit, who guides us and leads us and and testifies of Jesus and speaks to our hearts and minds. And so we have something that Jesus gave to them, what he breathed on them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. So this gives us hope, I think, in the fact that Thomas had walked with Jesus. He had eaten with Jesus. He had lived with Jesus. He had fished with Jesus, and yet he had this unbelief. And I was thinking, I wondered what that was like to be fishing with Jesus. Hey, Peter, check this out. The other day I caught this fish, and it was, oh, hi, Jesus. It was uh, about this big, Peter. Uh, but can you imagine the dynamics of the relationship that they had and how much fun they had? Hey, Jesus, how, much, how many fish did I catch today? 213. And then you caught that little minnow, too. But can you imagine this relationship that they had going through life, but yet still Thomas was doubtful. He had unbelief. And I think that should be encouraging for us because sometimes do you ever have any unbelief? God, I know you can work this out. I know you will work it out. 
But right now, I'm having some doubts. I'm a little fearful about the situation. But what if we begin to just strip those things back and say, God, I'm just going to have blind faith. I'm going to trust you. You know, I don't have to see the, the wound in your side. I don't, I don't have to see the pierced hands to believe. I believe. And so when we're talking about faith, we are already living a life of faith to some degree. When you sat down in that chair, you were trusting that that chair was going to hold you up. And we trust that Jesus has come and died and, and risen again and that all of our sins are forgiving. Faith is critical to this relationship. It begins with faith. And then God continues to work in our hearts and lives and build our faith. Verse 29 continues, blessed, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So we know that Jesus is not physically here, but we do have the presence of the Holy Spirit living with us. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That is us. Blessed. He says, blessed are those. Faith, we've not seen him, yet we believe. So let's go back to Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Let me say it this way. When you believed and received, God saved you by his grace. We have to re receive. The blood of Jesus, his grace, covers all sin. We know that here because we've read it over and over and we see that in the scripture. But do we believe it here? I can... You know, I can believe or I can understand that Jesus lived. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of uh, cults or religions that say, well, I believe that Jesus lived. Um, we can believe or understand that Jesus is God. We can say, well, yeah, they are one. But have I received, have I accepted the grace and forgiveness for me? Because I can believe those things. But have I received them? Do I believe it? Do I live this thing out? I know a couple of gentlemen that are multimillionaires. And um, one of them or both of them could call me and say, Hey, uh, the Lord is leading us to send you a million dollars for the church. I would be so happy. I would be so excited. I'd be like, that's wonderful timing. We're looking for a building. That's wonderful. That's really going to help us. But what if I got the check or checks in the mail, and I said, oh, wow, look, here's a check for a million dollars. I know that these guys have the capability. I know they have the resources. But you know what? I'm just going to stick it in my desk. I'm not going to deposit it. He would say, that is stupid. <laughs> that is crazy. Why wouldn't I redeem that check? But yet... We have people that believe these things but aren't redeemed by the blood of Christ. And we as believers, are we walking in this faith thing? You know that we're, we're praying about our next building and, and, and many times when I preach on something, God is saying, okay, you're going to preach on this? Let's walk it out. I'm like, well, you know, can we preach on love today? Can we preach on something soft or gentle? But you know what? Faith is critical. And, and I think that God puts us in situations. He allows situations that we may walk in faith. Because if we didn't have to grow, we probably would say no. I feel a rap coming on. 
if we didn't have to grow, we would probably not choose not to, right? We'd say, oh, well, I'd rather not take that class because it's a difficult class. Is there another class that I can take? Is there another way that I can get this degree without having to take that class or do this or that? Because we want to take the easy way out. And God is saying, I'm not concerned as much about your comfort as I am about your character and this relationship that I want you to have with me. And we see so many times in the Bible where the heroes of the faith, they had to step out in faith. That's why they were called heroes of the faith, because they had great faith. (laughs) So salvation, let me go back to 2.8 continues. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So we know that salvation is grace-based, not performance-based. We've talked about that a lot. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. And I've quoted this scripture. You've heard this scripture numerous times. Do you believe that God created you in being his masterpiece? I mean, when we stop and think about, I don't know about you, but do you ever think about the stupid things you've done or you're like, oh man, I'm thinking about that. There's that little videotape running in your mind. You're like, man, I remember when I did that. And, and God is saying to us, stop it. Let me have that videotape. It's broken. It's done. It's covered. Amen. So do we believe that we are God's masterpiece? When you look around this room, look at all the masterpieces. Look at how different we are. Look, look at how our personalities are different. We're just different. And how wonderful it is that God has created all of us so individual and so wonderful. Ephesians 2.9 says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He is looking at the condition of our heart. And we put so much emphasis on the way that we look, the way that we dress, the hairstyle, the jewelry. And those things are okay. I mean, that's all right. But what God is looking at is our heart. What is our heart reflective of? Is it reflective of, one, a relationship with him? Is it reflective of a life of faith? where we don't always have the answers, but we know that we're following his lead. And if he leads, we will follow. Ephesians 2, 10 continues. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So through Christ, we are made new. All that old stuff is gone and God is renewing our minds. He's doing something different. His work in our heart and life makes us new. But faith is required to have this relationship with Jesus. Um, In Isaiah 43, um, the Lord reminded the Israelites about his victories for them. And they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, He drowned the mighty Egyptian army with all their charioteers and horses. and, And even while in captivity, here he has an encouraging word for them. And this this word in Isaiah 43 was a word that the Lord gave to me a number of years ago. And I felt like it was for me, for us personally, but also for the church. And this is what he says to them in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. But forget all that. Forget all what? Forget all the things that he had done before. All of the miracles, all of the things that he had done. He said, 
for, but forget all that. It is nothing compared with what I'm going to do. Those things were miraculous. They saw the hand of God, and he says, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something that's greater than what you've experienced. For I'm about to do something new, he says in verse 19. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Do you sense anything in your spirit? Do you sense that God is doing something in your life? Do you sense that God is about to do something? I don't think it's just a feeling that we have. I think that is the, the Holy Spirit speaking to his people and preparing them for more and for something new that he wants to do. Now, that could be in our lives personally, but I think it's corporate for the body of Christ. I think it's, it's corporate for this body of Christ that God is doing something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? He's, he's not necessarily talking about with physical eyes, but do you not see it in the spirit? Do you not sense that I am doing something? And in the process, I'm preparing you so that you can be ready. Verse 19 continues, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In other words, where it looks like it's dry and dead and useless, worthless, I'm going to do something. So do you have some wastelands? Do you have some dry areas in your life where you need God to pour some water on there, where, where there needs to be fruitfulness in your life? Maybe God is preparing you. God is wanting to do a new thing, and so we need to be receptive and open and ready to receive for this thing that he wants to do in our hearts and lives. And so he's preparing us for greater, for more. For I am about to do something new. I'm about to do something new. Are we okay with that? I mean, because we can look back and see what's been done and be very comfortable with that. But what about something new? Are we comfortable with that? See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And so I believe that this is a word for us. I believe it's a word for us personally. I believe it's a word for us as the body of Christ here, Life Fellowship Ministries International. I believe that it's a word for the body of Christ globally, that God is doing something. And so we, we can look at the situations around us and we can get caught up in the vortex of those things spinning around us. Or we can look to him and say, God, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in these situations or circumstances. It doesn't really matter these things that are impacting my life. I'm going to focus on you, and I'm going to deliberately, intentionally seek you this year to determine what those things are. And I'm going to yield to you, and I'm going to allow you greater access into my life because I want what you want. I want you to do in my life what you want to do in my life. I want you to do in my church what you want me to do in my church. And that's what God is looking for, people that are just willing to yield. And I think he will do, his word says that he can do, and I believe he will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or even think. Because his ways, his thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. 
and given to our own devices, we would probably crash and burn. But he says, no, no, you don't have to go that way. Blessed are those who believe, who believe without seeing me. Who will have this level of trust in me that I can lead them. That they can put aside their own inhibitions and they can just follow me. Walking in faith is a requirement for this relationship with, with the Lord. And he is doing something new. And so we're walking in faith as we wait in this transition for another building. My, my first point this morning is faith is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus. My second point is faith is given to us by the Lord. Everything that we have is given to him. Uh, it's given to us from him. Um, the Greek word for faith is pistis, and faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith is for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence yet in, involving it. And so God gives us the faith. But it's like I was talking about earlier. Um, somebody could give me a check, and I, I could believe those things. I could believe that the check is good and not do anything with it. And so God is giving us faith. He's giving us the opportunity to come into this relationship with him. But are we stepping out in faith? Are we walking in that relationship? Are we receiving? Are we believing and receiving? The Lord continuously births faith and yielded believers so that they will know what he prefers. So when God tells you to not take this job, but take this one, he is, we're walking in faith because we may say, well, this job looks like a better job. And he's saying, no, don't take that job. Take this one. That's an element of faith where God is leading us and, and we're listening to his Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us. Our faith grows through this relationship with him. So as we grow in our relationship with him, our faith is expanded. And where I could believe God and have faith for this, now because of this experience that I've had with him, it's not just an experience, but it's a relationship that I have with him, I can trust him for, for greater things. So God wants us to live a life of faith. He wants that for all of us. And faith is, is, always is always received from God. And he gives us faith. I know there have been times when God has given me great faith for things that I didn't have the faith for. But it's like he imparted those things to me. He imparted that faith to me. And so God wants us to be and to live a life of faith, trusting him in all things. Romans 12, 1 through 3, another familiar passage of Scripture. And, you know, sometimes you'll say, well, I've heard this Scripture numerous times. Yeah, I, I want you to get these Scriptures. I want you to memorize these Scriptures. I want you to know these Scriptures. So when I say Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know. You know where we're going. You know the Scripture. But I want to talk about these things. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. What, what are all the things God has and is doing for us? Give your bodies to him. Don't follow the carnal desires of the world and the things that you used to do. And he says, let them, what, our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
So, you know, again, uh, I'll probably be talking about worship in a few weeks. This is truly a way to worship him, is to live lives that reflect this relationship, that reflect a yieldedness to him, not just raising our hands and singing a song, but living a life that says, I have this relationship with the Lord, and I'm committed to this relationship. Again, not as performance, but as relationship with him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So he brings the transformation as we allow him access into our hearts and lives. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we know that he has good plans for us, great plans for us. And even when we crash and get off, off the beaten path, he can still Bring us back because all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So even when we mess up, he can still get us back on track and fulfill his purpose and plans for us. Verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Okay, wait a minute. We've been given the giftings. We've been given all these things. So why would we judge someone else that maybe hasn't been given those things? Well, you know, I have more faith than they do. If they only had faith. Well, where did the faith come from? <laughs> um, well, I gave that person, you know, I gave that person a nice gift. Well, was it the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that? Can you really take credit for that? I helped that person. Well, well, was that the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you? I mean, can you really take credit for the Holy Spirit telling you to do that? Because I know you, and you wouldn't have done that naturally. <laughs> so am I really all that wonderful? <laughs> and so I'm going to maybe judge somebody else because they don't have maybe this relationship. They don't, maybe they don't have this calling and gifting maybe they don't have this level of faith that i've been given because of the privilege and authority god has given me i give each of you this warning don't think you are better than you really are sometimes it's good to be reminded where i've come from because i can get a little full of myself and then i can say god i'm sorry you know what the goodness in me is not from me. It's from you. And it's from you transforming my life, transforming the way that I think. It's you pouring this love into me. As I've shared with you guys, I pray on a regular basis, Lord, help me to love them like you love them and you love me. And God honors that prayer. And God has given me a love for him and for people that is not from within me. Because I know me. <laughs> I'm not that nice. <laughs> I'm not that loving. Until God comes in and makes these transformations in my life and changes me. Verse 3 continues, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Don't, you know, we don't measure ourselves 
we don't compare ourselves with someone else, but we compare ourselves with ourselves, with, with the faith that God has given me, not what God's given you or her or him. Because maybe God has given you an extra measure of faith. Maybe he's given them an extra measure of something else. But we are his masterpiece. We are created individually. And as we yield to him, if we say he's Lord and Savior of our life, then he should be the Lord of our life. So we don't necessarily pick and choose what giftings we want or what we want. Now, we can pray and we can ask him. But he's the one that determines what we get. So we are not to measure our faith by the level of faith he has given to someone else. We are to measure ourselves by the faith he has given to each of us. He gives us life. He gives us faith. He gives us abilities. He gives us giftings. Are we walking in the fullness of those? Are we utilizing those things in our life? Are we being sensitive to his Holy Spirit? Are we using those giftings for his glory or for our own glory? So faith is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus. Faith is given to us by the Lord. We can choose to live a life of faith. We can choose to live a life of faith that he's given to us. Are we going to walk in the things that he's imparted to us? Are we going to walk in the things that he's called us to do? The Lord desires us to understand his love for us, his nature, and his message to us. He has a message for us. And I think today he has a message for everyone listening today, that God is speaking to your heart today, and he's asking you, will you step out in faith? Will you trust me? Will you deliberately seek me in a greater measure this year? Do you believe that? It's a great song. Great lyrics. Great great job, guys. But do we believe that? So, if you're not facing a mountain today, you will. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Believe, receive, trust. This is not an easy message. Especially when you're, when you're really having to trust God right now. It, it's, it's okay when everything is, is hunky-dory and everything is great. But what about when you have those challenges? What are we going to do? One of the things that we do is we come together as the body of Christ and we pray for one another. We encourage one another, strengthen one another. But the other thing that we do is we say, God, I trust you. I don't understand, but I don't have to understand because I'm just going to yield to you and allow you to work this thing out. Believe me, that's easier said than done. <laughs> I know it is. And as we're searching for a building, I'm, I'm, man, listen, I'm right smack dab in the middle of this thing. <laughs> but I can fret and be fearful, or I can walk in faith and say, God, I know you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Because you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. 
I love you guys. And I'm really excited to see what the Lord does next. All right. Well, if you'll stand, let's bless one another. Let's recite this together. If you want to just turn and bless one another or the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you and give you peace through this week. And may you make a difference as you go out and interact with people and you share the hope and love of Christ as you go out and live it. You're dismissed. Prayer team is up here if you'd like prayer. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.